Go on, do a bit so we can use it as an intro. Bristol Live. <laughs> there you go. Right, that's a good way to start. Thanks to Robin there for playing us in with uh, his beatboxing. I think he's trying to kickstart his career using that podcast. Hello, guys. This is Inside Bristol Live, a weekly podcast that takes you behind the headlines and inside your local newsroom. I'm your host, Alex Ballinger. Really, really good show for you this week. But before we get started, let's do some admin stuff. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at IBL Podcast. Also, download, rate, review, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple Podcasts and other places as well. So check us out. So let's talk about this week's show. First up, we've got Robin Murray, our What's On reporter, who has witnessed a bizarre spectacle while he was at a rave at Motion. He filmed it. It's gone viral. It's gone to every news organisation, national and local, everywhere. So we're going to talk to him. And then next up on the show, we have reporter Emma Grimshaw. Emma has recently given birth to a daughter and she's written a really interesting opinion piece about co-sleeping, her anxieties around that and sudden infant death syndrome. So we'll find out more from Emma. And then finally on the show, we're going to talk to Joe Smith. He has been looking into the issue of scams on Gumtree with home adverts. So this is where people post up an advert about a house that might not even exist. And some people have been falling for this scam, losing a lot of money. So Joe is going to explain what that problem is all about. All right, let's get started. Let's talk to Robin about some weirdness that he witnessed at a rave. Hello there, I'm, I'm Robin and I'm one of the What's On writers here. So I cover entertainment, so music, food, Anything uh, slightly abstract, that's uh, that's my remit. And raves. And raves, yes. So we're here to talk about something a little bit different. Um, it's a story that's gone a bit mental, isn't it? It's gone viral, I would say. It's been picked up by every national news organisation, just about. And it's something that you just happened to be stood in front of as it happened, really. Tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, so I went along to the uh, hospitality uh, barbecue at Motion on Saturday. For those of you who aren't aware of hospitality, it's like a, a club night run by Hospital Records, which is one of the main labels in drum and bass. And yeah, I, I was watching DJ Markey's set at the end of the day with my friends. And then one of them said, look over there, that's pretty weird. And I expected to see something, you know, someone wearing a funky outfit or someone particularly um, enjoying themselves. But no, it was a man still on the steps reading a book. I absolutely love this story. It's so funny. I saw your tweet uh, with the video of it on the, on the weekend. And you weren't working, were you? You were just there having a lovely time on an, on an afternoon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, went along with some friends. Um, I'm partial to a bit of drum and bass. That's <laughs> a, so I went along with some friends. I don't tend to get my phone out when I'm at gigs or, um, you know, events such as this, as you rightly know. But um, when an opportunity like that, something which you're not going to see very often pre- presents itself, you know, it'd be rude not to get your phone out. And um, it's, it's so funny. Just see this video of this guy stood there happily reading along while there's a rave going on, you know, six feet away. Um, so we talked previously on the show, mentioned it briefly, uh, your pet hate or one of your pet hates is when people talk at gigs, isn't it? Yeah. Reading a book at a rave? What's the verdict? You know, that's completely all right with me. You know, <laughs> as long as they're silent, then uh, it's all good. Does, but, it, um, does it depend on what the book is or is it <laughs> anything's fine? <laughs> it does. And uh, yeah, of course it does. You know, if, it, if it's some classic 1970s literature, then, you know, go ahead. And at the time, we didn't obviously know what book he was reading. Um, and it was all thanks to the power of Twitter that we were able to find out. It was actually a chap who works for Sky News, whose name I, I, I won't mention in case, you know, he'd rather not. He tweeted a picture to us saying that this was the bloke in question. It was one of his friends and they're off to Ibiza next week. So I got in touch with him and the the rest is history, so we say, yeah. 
So we ran an initial story, didn't we, which was just of the video and it got some mixed reaction. I think some people find it funny. But what do you think about this writing about this sort of thing? You know, these sort of stories. You, it's just a nice, funny bit of, you know, bit of trivia, I suppose, isn't it really? Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, there were some comments on, on the story saying this isn't news, why are you reporting it? Slow news day is a, is yeah, a personal exactly. favourite. It's um, never a slow news day. <laughs> of course, yeah, never never a slow news day here. But uh, one, one or two comments said this isn't news. People don't care. But the fact it is, you know, one of the top stories on the website had an average of people reading it for a minute, over a minute, shows that, you know, sometimes people are interested in the, the softer news and the stories that make you smile, as well as the the important stories that all the news reporters do so well, um, covering councils and... NHS and things like that so I think there is a case to be made that um, a news organisation such as Bristol Live can cater for all kinds of we can do some light-hearted stuff. We can have a bit of a laugh and a joke as well as exactly, doing yeah. all the hard stuff yeah completely Yeah. also as you previously mentioned you have interviewed the guy since what was he like what was his sort of attitude towards the whole thing yeah he was, he was a brilliant guy actually really really nice chap essentially the story is that he got a last minute call up from his mates in Bristol. He's from London himself. He's a chef in London. And as a bit of a party animal, he, he got the train down, but he also likes a spot of reading. So he popped into WH Smith's at Paddington Station, perused their Goodreads section. Uh, and that's when he came across Ways of Seeing by John Berger. That's the book he was reading. That's the, on book, the, that's he the reading. book he was reading. Yeah, yeah. Exclusive. Well, not exclusive because <laughs> I've already reported it. But <laughs> Podcast exclusive. Podcast exclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spoken word. So yeah, he's reading on the train, although he didn't get too far into it because he was quite tired. So he ended up using it as a pillow as opposed to a um, piece of reading material. It's literally all he had on him was this book. So he, he got to motion. Security thought he was using it to stash drugs. <laughs> so the then- worst. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would just walk in with a book and be like, oh yeah, it's full of drugs. Well, <laughs> but maybe, maybe it's been done before. I, w- I wouldn't put it past people. So security rifled through it thinking there was drugs in there. There weren't. And then, yeah, he, was just, he simply wanted a break and he said that, it wasn't a day with friends or anything, which is what me and my friends first thought. But no, he just wanted a bit of time out from, from the dance. So he uh, saw his opportunity and read his book on the stairs. Fair play to him. And he was approached by security as well as he was doing it. <laughs> he was, yeah. I think security took it in a very good manner as well, which is good to see. He said that security um, asked him what page he was reading, um, but it was more of a picture book. So he literally just showed the security guard what pictures he was looking at. Uh, which made the security guard laugh, as you can see in the video. And I love the way he just kind of goes back down the stairs and <laughs> goes back into the dance floor, the chaos, as if it's nothing, as if it's completely normal. It's so funny, so, the video, because the security guard kind of comes up to him, doesn't he? And then and then just kind of points at the book and the security guard looks really bemused. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, okay, cool. He's on board with it. And he's like, all oh, right, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, what I actually really liked about it was that no one else seemed to be filming it, which is, I thought that kind of thing, everyone get their phones out. And I am... Um, the person that I hate in this situation because <laughs> I was the one actually filming it, which usually I'd say, oh God, just like let him carry on. But in actual fact, I'm quite glad I did because as he said, it's um, it's gone in a few places and I've had quite a few mates and things. You had the Independent saying. chasing you as well, didn't you, on the day? Yeah, the Independent, uh, Metro, UKF, Mixmag, Lad Bible. So yeah, quite a few places, which is, you know, always nice. Bit what did, um, well, you know, when he it had just gone everywhere, you know, probably before he'd even realised that he's like it had quite a chilled out guy. So I think he, he's more than happy to take it in his stride. And um, I actually messaged the lad from Sky who put me in touch with in the first place um, and shared the article with him. And he said it had given them a good laugh. So I'm happy with that. They're off to Ibiza for a bit of a bit of a, another holiday, aren't they? So I think you're looking for some more reading material to uh, take with them into some That's clubs, it, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, who knows what it would be. Maybe it's um, 
a classic Harry Potter, something a bit more modern, who knows? But I'll have to get in touch with them afterwards and find out exactly what he read. Could be a follow-up story. There, There's actually. a hard-hitting follow-up there, I think. It yeah, could be, yeah, yeah. Public what, interest reporting, what, that is. <laughs> what did Jono read in Ibiza? Yeah, I'm not sure what the Bristol link is, but um, I'm sure we'll find We'll find something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robin, thanks very much. Thank you very much. I absolutely love that story. It made me laugh when I first saw it and the follow-ups are just brilliant as well. So thanks to Robin for talking to us about that one. Next up on the show, we are going to speak to Emma, who has recently given birth to a little baby daughter. She has been writing about her anxieties with co-sleeping, but some of the research around that area as well. So let's hear from her. I'm Emma Grimshaw and I'm a senior reporter here. Uh, Emma, first time on the podcast. It is, I, yeah. First, first things first, I'd like to apologise for not having you on before. It's fine. Um, I work late, so I understand. I was going <laughs> to say, you here. are quite popular in the office because you work a lot of the late shifts, That's which true. are probably the least popular shift other than weekend work. Yeah, probably, I would um, say. it's thanks for being a parent. You get all the, the best shifts yeah. and <laughs> the best lifestyles. That actually ties in quite nicely with what we're going to be talking about. So the story that you've brought to the podcast uh, this week is about parenting, basically, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's an opinion piece that you've written which I find really fascinating. I thought it was a really interesting piece, really well written as well. But do you want to tell us a little bit about what the the gist of it is? Yeah, sure. So when I was first became a mum, like every every mum, you just like do all this research to try and decide like how best you can care for your child. And one thing that I felt really like the NHS doesn't do well is what they tell you to do with co-sleeping because they basically say that you shouldn't co-sleep. And I found this advice like really, really unhelpful for lots of different reasons. And I just thought an opinion piece to kind of let other mums know it's okay and you can do it if you want to would be really useful. What was it that you really wanted to say? What was it that you'd find from your experience that you wanted to portray to other mums? Sure, so it's quite a long story, but basically, so the NHS at the moment has it up that you shouldn't co-sleep and that it's best to have them in a, in a cot close to your bed, which as a new mum, you've got this situation where you've been told to breastfeed, which is breast is best and all that sort of thing. And then you've got a situation where you're not supposed to have the baby in bed with you. And I found the advice was really jarring because basically you lactate more at night. So the baby wants to feed more at night. So you're in this situation where you've had no sleep for days and days and your baby just won't sleep. And you're just there like holding them and trying to not sleep. And what actually happens is a lot of mums do end up co-sleeping really dangerously because you just you're human and you're going to fall asleep and you're not in the right situation. So what I found in this situation was actually what you really needed to be told was it's okay to have them in bed with you if you're doing it safely and you're thinking about what you're doing and yeah. So why is it safer than people might realise? Um, I think when you look at just the official advice like the NHS and quite a lot of midwives still say you know put them in a motor basket close to your bed which again isn't isn't very helpful but actually when you look a bit deeper and you look at more research they actually say the complete opposite and they actually say it's actually best for your baby to be in bed with you and I think I went into it in my story about this whole idea that we're born like homo sa- since homo sapiens started walking up right we've had to have our babies a lot earlier because our pelvic our pelvises have shrunk so we end up with these babies that have come out with only like 25% of the brain capacity they're going to have so when they come out it's like all they want to do is just be on your be on their mum or be on anyone and not not be separated and that's because they come out prematurely and so lots of experts say because of this it's actually best to keep them with you all the time and so actually what they need is to be by their mum and so when you have them in bed on their backs, like um, our doctor Peter Fleming, who works in Bristol, recommended, they they use their mum's body temperature and you regulate with the heartbeat and they've got you very close. So the idea that they are going to die from cot death, is, it, like in lots of experts' opinion, is a lot less as long as you do all the right stuff around co-sleeping, like don't have the cover up above them and make sure there's a 
safe perimeter for them. I mean, you do all that all together and have them close by. It's it's like the idea that actually it's a lot safer for them to be in than being a mosaic basket on the other side of the room. So this sounds like something you've done quite a lot of research into. Is that research that you've done as a journalist or as a mum? No, as a mum, yeah. I think, yeah, when I first became a mum, like I was like glued to my phone, glued to Google, glued to blogs, and you just want to learn everything you can to kind of give your baby the best start. Post that, I go, I go to a lot of groups, so I speak to a lot of early years professionals and speak to them about their advice. So, yeah, this has all just come from, yeah, everyday kind of parenting so. how much does parenting inform your journalism as well do you like to is it something you're keen to write about something you oh yeah definitely in? like we've all been told to get patches and so I've said my patch is going to be parenting and kind of like what's going on in Bristol and all the issues around like what parents face in Bristol I really want to be a voice for parents that sounds like something that really can be improved on across all media I suppose isn't it you know really because obviously so many people are parents and it's so hard to know what to do and this is a perfect example of that so I think that's a really important thing that you're hoping to bring to the post I suppose. Definitely and I'm no professional but like I'd like to do it through my first person experiences and let people know I'm, I don't I don't think I'm sitting here as a professional but just as someone who's lived it and this has been what I've experienced. You can filter through the professionals <laughs> yeah. I suppose is the important thing as well. Isn't yeah. So what are the fears with co-sleeping then, according to the NHS, the ones that you've been looking into? Um, so the NHS advice is that if you do have them in your bed, this is on their main website. Because actually, interestingly, when I wrote this story, there's a few people saying they don't say that anymore. But still on their main website, when you're typing in like all this research, it still says to have them in a bed close to you. And it can increase cot deaths if you do have them in bed with you, even if you haven't drank or smoked. But the only research that there has been into it has proven that is that it, it's okay as long as you haven't drank or smoked so it's not really in line with what, actually what the research shows and so, so you've recently come back from maternity leave as well yeah what's it been like coming back to the office after having about a year off was it um yeah it's been really nice actually the first time yeah around oh, this is my second child so coming back after my first was a lot different because maternity leave of just one is it's a lot different experience but this time it's been quite nice to have a few days a week where I've just been able to be like right this is my time to use my brain and my time to kind of get back into the swing of things and yeah it's been a, a, a nice experience. A little bit of a shock to the system was it to have the, the phone ringing all the time and emails coming in and stuff after a year of a completely different kind of stress I suppose. Yeah I suppose it's been a bit of a contrast <laughs> yeah. Um, coming back to work after having your second child like you just mentioned is yeah. that something that played into your opinion piece was it something that made you more confident that now you'd had a second child you knew what you were doing a little bit more yeah I definitely think this time around especially looking at co-sleeping I didn't even try and get my second child into a cot because with my first I was having panic attacks with through lack of sleep and everything trying to follow the NHS advice and then when I like read more about it and had a, a group of mums myself to talk to things through and to speak to other experts in the fields because once you get into like going to groups and stuff you speak a lot a lot to like early years people and you learn that actually the NHS advice is, is really isn't really up to date and really should I think should be changed and so yeah this time around I just had him and my straight away and went didn't like completely skipped all the sleepless nights because that's another thing like as soon as I did get my first into bed with me we start she started doing like two to three hours straight whereas before when I was trying to follow the advice it would be like half an hour sleep and interestingly nice which is the um the body that recommends to the NHS what they should be advising they actually say co-sleeping is fine too so to me this seems to be a complete like lack of updated information on the NHS, which really needs to be, the debate needs to be talked about and it needs to be updated, in, I think. Have you had any feedback from any other mums then that have been through similar things? Yeah, actually feedback has been really positive. It's like they, I think there's a lot of frustration that this isn't 
talked about more and there's not more debate around what what should be done with co-sleeping because I think lots of mums fall into the trap that I fell into where you're trying to breastfeed and you're trying to follow the NHS advice and you just get yourself completely exhausted beyond all exhaustion you can imagine and I think what lots of mums would like is it to be debated for it to be in the mainstream media as well as you know in blogs that you read about and for maybe some that there to be some change especially on what's recommended on on the nhs website so this article is something is one of the rare occasions i suppose when parenting and journalism coexist quite happily in this article <laughs> how do you find it being a mum and a journalist as well because i imagine traditionally they are quite tricky to to balance yeah it's tiring because I, I do the late shift so I look after my children until I come into work and then I'm working till like 10 and then I get home and normally almost instantly my son will wake up because he's learned what time I get back now and so he want to feed and so yeah so basically just starting to exist on no sleep still but <laughs> yeah um it's yeah I'm really enjoying it and it's nice to have the be in the lovely world of raising children and all the excitement that brings and then come into work and have all the excitement that this job brings so I do feel quite privileged to have both sides of it that's great Emma thanks so much for your time okay thank you that's some brilliant writing from Emma that she's been doing so really interested to hear more about her thoughts on that right let's go into our final segment for this week's show Joe Smith has been talking about scams on Gumtree and how it's affecting people looking for a new home Uh, Joe, right, first things first. I said I promised you I was going to come to you with a hard-hitting question to start things off. All right. Uh, I hope you're prepared. Hit but me. Tea rounds. Oh, tea rounds. Let's talk about tea rounds. On the before. podcast? We're doing this on the podcast. We're going to do this on the podcast. All right. Let's do some HR mediation while broadcasting <laughs> through the podcast. <laughs> why don't you do more tea rounds? Why don't I do more tea rounds? <laughs> well, look, there's a couple of reasons why. All right. Since um, our rebrand to uh, Bristol Live and then... Reach PLC. All the mugs have been changed. To one they're all exactly <laughs> the same. All the mugs um, are exactly the same. Keen to see you justify this. Very hard to do a round of tea, different orders, and all the mugs are exactly the same. Because you oh, know yeah, who to give what to. You know, I'm also incredibly lazy. That's another reason. And and I, I feel like I try and make up for it, though, by um buying a fair amount of biscuits from the shop. That's true, you do do that. Yeah, out. see, I'm bad with biscuits. i got to admit, I'm bad for buying biscuits around the office. And, you know, I don't go on, on the record and, and have a go at you about it, you see. But 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 that's you fine. Know, you're you more, than, you, you're more than welcome. My office door is always open. I don't have an office, but, you, you know, metaphorically desk, speaking, yeah, you yeah. can always come on the podcast and talk to me about biscuit rounds. <laughs> right, anyway, enough of that foolishness. <laughs> Hard hitting stuff, all right. <laughs> uh, so, you've been looking into Gumtree adverts that are not what they seem. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes. So this started off when someone contacted me uh, who had been house hunting for a flat in Bristol. She was talking about how difficult it was to find a place. Things aren't always what they appear. She was saying that sometimes on Gumtree, private lets are actually agents. you know. And then also uh, sometimes on Gumtree, people aren't even people. They're scammers. So this was a house that she'd come across, um, a beautiful apartment in Clifton. Lovely, uh, spacious rooms. You know, it looked perfect. It was really cheap, surprisingly cheap. So she went ahead and emailed the person who listed the advert on Gumtree. She was given another email. She emailed them and uh, entered into this exchange, a bit of back and forth, that ended up with basically somebody asking her to send them a bunch of money and then she would receive the keys to the apartment, view it, and then move in if she liked it or not. So when did she realise that something was not right then? Um, When they started asking her for money. She, as before soon as they started asking, before she, she like, viewed the apartment, yeah. So this was the first story. She saw the advert, clocked it, and got in touch with us. Unfortunately, she wasn't the only person to be contacted by these scammers or to kind of fall into their trap. 
another chap called Ali. He's a music student. Uh, he also saw a different advert, or different pictures anyway, on Gumtree for a really beautiful flat to rent in Clifton. And he went as far as emailing the guy and sending £1,800 off to him, which was the deposit and first month's rent. He is yet to see that money. And obviously no keys have arrived. So how long, how long has he been waiting then? When did he contact them? Do you know? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he's confident now that this is not right. Something dodgy is going on. Yeah, and he sent me the emails that he received from the guy. They're identical to Joy's ones, the way the adverts were laid out of very similar. It's, it's uh, he, when he got suspicious, he started Googling the guy's name. The guy's called Olaf Kramer. And there's lots of scams associated with him uh, on the internet already. So, so assumedly, probably not a real name, probably not a real person. Is that the impression we get? Yeah, yeah, fairly safe to say. And so why are people falling for this as well? I mean, house hunting is hard and it's not much fun, particularly in Bristol where it's really expensive. You find something like that, you're surely you're going to be really keen. But I mean, how are people falling for these scams? Well, that's the thing. When you hear it, when you hear me explain it to you, it sounds simple and you think, how could they possibly fall for this? But the reality of it is looking for a place in Bristol is really difficult at the moment. The property market is red hot. You know, trying to rent somewhere is next to impossible. I've, I know friends who've been looking for months and have yet to find somewhere because as soon as something comes on the market, you have to jump on it straight away, within minutes. I think one of the commenters on the on Ali's story sums it up the best. The commenter said that um, they had been an estate agent in Bristol and they'd had thousands of people offer to put money down on houses before viewing them. So it's what it comes down to really is the market is so hot that people are trying to pay for stuff they haven't viewed yet. And people are doing that, putting the money up. And it ends up being legitimate. It ends up being an actual house that they can move into and they just wanted to get it immediately. Nine times out of ten, I'm sure it's fine. But it creates an environment where scammers can operate. And that's the thing with Gumtree is that obviously if you go through Gumtree, you can avoid a lot of the hassle that you might have if you go through, you know, your traditional agents and things like that. There's fewer fees, you know, and there's a bit more of an informal relationship, I suppose. So it can be nicer for some people. But you do expose yourself to that risk, I suppose, don't you? There is certainly a risk there, definitely. Uh, Gumtree commented on the article I wrote and they were very clear that they have strong guidelines about not paying things you haven't seen, um, not doing transactions off the site, that kind of stuff. They are, there's lots of anti-scam measures in place on Gumtree, but it's certainly not completely 100% watertight. And at least in Ali's case, it's, um, it's cost them some money. So have we had any advice or any tips for people on how they can ensure something's legit? Is there any real way of telling? You can ask for proof of ownership. I think the best way is to meet the person in person and view the property. It's, it's, uh, estate agents would tell you to, uh, to do it through an estate agent, I'm sure. And I'm guessing if it looks too good to be true, be a little bit sceptical as well. A house in Clifton going ridiculously cheap, what are the chances, I suppose? Right, that is the bottom line. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And they're picking really desirable places, I'm guessing as well, because they want people to get excited and be like, oh, I really want this place, you know, I will put the money down there and then yeah. and people are being caught out. So do we know how many there are on Gumtree then? Have we seen? No, we don't really. They pop up and get taken down pretty quickly. To Gumtree's credit, they do remove them fairly fast. So it's hard to keep track of them. There's a couple mentioned on a scam aware website, scam watchers, I think it was. Uh, I know of two myself. I imagine there are more. And I would ask people to get in touch with us if they've been emailed by Olaf Kramer asking for deposits for houses that don't exist. It'd be nice to get an idea of the scale of this problem in Bristol. Housing adverts online have been at the centre of quite a bit of your coverage. Can you tell us about one of your other recent stories? Yes, I recently wrote about a 
uh, a room for rent in Stokescroft. I remember exactly how much it was. I think it was around £550 a month. And it was on the website of uh, one of these big property websites. And it looked very much like someone had just put a bed in a bathroom. So the whole room was tiled. There was an annex that looked like it would have been a shower once, but someone had put like an oven in there. There was a bed and chest of drawers. And I mean, it didn't look like a very comfortable room and it was going for a lot of money. So yeah, this is again, another symptom of, of what's happening in Bristol at the moment with the property market. And there's a lot of people wanting to live here and some people are taking advantage of that, I would say. And it's how scammers, yeah, get underneath basically, don't they? You know, they sort of ingratiate themselves in, in these, you know, in when people are so desperate for housing, they try and get themselves in there and they can take advantage, I suppose. How do these stories come to you then? How have you sort of stumbled across these two most recent scam examples? Um, the first one, somebody got in touch with us to uh, make other people aware. The second one I spotted on social media. Somebody had, uh, Ali had put a post up to, again, to spread the word, to make other people aware that this was happening. Yeah, both of them shared their stories for the same reasons because they had either been scammed or come close to being scammed and didn't want it to happen to anyone else. But yeah, there's a tendency for people to to talk about it after it's happened to them, which is good. People do want to warn others to keep an eye out for this sort of thing, which is good. Mm, yeah, definitely. And you've got a follow-up coming, which is about Gumtree Housing as well, which you have given an unofficial nickname, which I find quite interesting <laughs> what's the what's the story there this wasn't gumtree this was this was reddit um but yes this uh somebody took a photo of a murder trailer <laughs> which is uh, a, a small uh enclosed shed i would call it on wheels um which has been spotted it's not officially a murder trailer is it it's no. not been it's not branded as a volkswagen murder trailer or no anything like that. i'm not sure it's officially called a murder trailer but definitely within the office is what it's getting called <laughs> Our video producer, Chris, went up there uh, and took some video of it and edited it together with like uh, some scary music and some little jump cuts in it. And frankly, that trailer is terrifying. It's got a for sale sign stuck to it. I'm in the process of find out how much the murder trailer would cost you. It could well be uh, one of the cheapest accommodation options in Bristol at the moment. And this isn't you trying to sell your own murder shed no <laughs> you're actually not trying to sort of you know get a sneaky ad on the website that this is just something you've stumbled across on reddit no quite the opposite i am considering moving into it myself <laughs> joe thanks very much for your time all the best Some really useful information there from Joe. So if you are looking for a new home on Gumtree, keep an eye out because these scams are out there. Right, that brings this week's show to an end. Thank you very much to all of our guests and thanks to all of you for listening as well. Before we go, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at IBL Podcast. Give us a tweet. Let us know what you think of the show. Also, rate, review, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. We are out every Friday. We're produced by Matt Alders. Thanks very much and see you next week. 